Hey, it's Leah. Before we start this episode, I just wanted to tell you about this other show called Stuff the British Stole. It's from CBC Podcast and Australia Radio National, and it's got all the story elements I love. It's got colonial theft. It's got museums denying that theft. It's got intrigue. It's got jokes by Australians. Join host Mark Fresnel as he picks one artifact and takes you on the wild, evocative, sometimes funny, and often tragic adventure of how it got to where it is today. Check it out on the same thing that you're listening to this on or on CBC Listen. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, Secret Life of Canada listeners. We're back with another CBC Podcast episode of Porter Primers. It's a series of short explainers inspired by the new original CBC and BET Plus series, The Porter. The show itself is also inspired by the real lives of black train porters in 1920s Montreal. And one thing The Porter show draws on heavily is Montreal's rich jazz history. In this Porter Primer, historian Dr. Dorothy Williams explains how porters were instrumental in introducing jazz to Canada and how their job on the railway helped black culture spread from city to city. You see, I I could get you a headlining gig. Sure. Then maybe you can snap your fingers and make me blind with blue eyes. I'm being serious. All right, I have some friends, some old friends from prep school. They hold a salon every few weeks. It brings some very important people to town. I could make some inquiries. Porters have played a critical role in the acceptance and the introduction, actually, of jazz in Canada. I know we don't necessarily associate the two, but the porter was a conduit of culture. I can't stress that enough. And part of that was because they were recruited, often recruited from the black universities and colleges in the United States. And so they would come into portering educated. They could talk about Plato. They could talk about Shakespeare. They could talk about politics and philosophy and economics in a way that a second, third year uh, university or college student is educated to do. And at the same time, they're traveling the, the rails, Jim Crow style, of course, but they're still seeing a world out there and they're transmitting their own personal knowledge, but also from town to town, they're bringing stories. They're bringing news of what's going on as they're traveling. They're hearing new music. They're hearing blues. They're hearing gospel. They're, they're hearing this thing called jazz. That, and and they're, they're informing as they're moving from town to town, place to place, that there's, in fact, this new sound that's coming, this new energy, this, these, this player that they heard on the drums or the, or the horn, and wow, you should hear him. Who's this Johnson? Willie Johnson. Top sax man out of Nolens. Played with Henderson and everything. Got a review heading cross country. Rumor is he's looking for a dancer to go along. Well, consider me gone. The fact that they acted as a conduit just propelled that information to flow within the black communities that the trains frequented. And of course, nothing happened overnight. We were not talking, you know, today's world of social media and then things are instantaneous, you know. But the transmission of culture across North America at that time 
can really be linked very clearly with the expansion of um, passenger rail travel, i.e. the porter, the black porter. Montreal was called the Harlem of the North at times because it was, well, it was a wet city. Being called a wet city meant that liquor was still flowing. Many of the key jazz spots in North America were dry. In other words, prohibition had come. There were laws against drinking in nightclubs and, you know, listening to jazz without a, a little bit of a drink beside you just doesn't fit. You know what I'm saying? Zeke, can you make sure that my husband stays out of trouble tonight? Don't always. <laughs> the idea of having nightclub, nighttime entertainment without alcohol was just like, it didn't quite fit. And people were looking for that kind of environment again. You know, today we say what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Well, in those days it was Montreal. This Montreal was, was, for some people, a sin city. It was a place you just came to let hang out for 48 or 72 hours, hop on the train and go back to your normal life. So Montreal is Harlem of the North. The association with jazz coming into the city and nurturing that whole jazz swing bebop scene. And of course, doing it in a way that was would have been considered traditional, i.e. lots of liquor flowing. Uh, gambling, women. It was a city that catered to, uh, I don't say our vices, but you know, to adult leisure. The porters are critical to what I call the joie de vivre of Montreal. You know, when I say, what is that joie de vivre? I say it's mixed in with porter blood. Montreal was the headquarters, the national headquarters of the railway industry in this country. Here you had a black city, and here you have the sort of isolated, bifurcated, socially bifurcated, racially bifurcated community, yet it had its own economy based on jazz for, say, for about a good three decades or so, because jazz didn't happen in a bubble. Jazz was an expression of black angst. It was an expression of black joy. It was an expression of much of what the black experience was. That didn't happen on its own. And coming into the city and being introduced to the city and having spaces that belong to black people made it easier for the jazz musician to develop here. Decades later, when we talk about Montreal and the International Jazz Festival, its antecedents go all the way back to that environment that was created by the porters themselves. Knowingly, unwittingly, um, almost as an unintended consequence, if you will, but that, that world that was created, it extends into the 20, 20th and the 21st century for sure because we continue to celebrate the fullness of jazz in this country. And not really, if you're looking at that from a serious perspective, that is a porter development that comes from that porter community of that time.
Primers is produced by Melissa Fundira with mixing by Braden Alexander. Tina Verma is senior producer and RF Narani is the director of CBC Podcasts. All the clips you hear in Porter Primers come from the new original series, The Porter, produced by CBC and BET+. For more about that series, go to cbc.ca slash the porter. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.